It's great to find your passion in life, and Jason Garriott has now found two. He found music about 10 years ago as a singer-songwriter, and now he is a pickleball professional who will be competing in professional tournaments next year. And also, he's recently taken a job in Macon, Georgia, teaching pickleball. So let's get to the intro to hear from Jason. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire Podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I'd like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire Podcast, Jason Garriott. How are you doing today, Jason? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad you could come on. I actually ran across your story on a website called The Daily Music Roll. So I, I definitely want to get into that a bit. And you also play professional pickleball. But before we kind of go down that path, tell me a little bit about your journey and how you got into pickleball and when you first heard about it. Gotcha. Yeah, my parents have lived down in Naples for many years. And back in 2014, they started playing on like the one court at East Naples uh, that they put on the tennis courts. And over the years, you know, they were telling me about it. And I mean, they'd been involved with my tennis career my whole life where I had coached and taught and things like that and played in college and, and professionally. And they kept trying to get me to play it because it was so much fun. And I was kind of like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that when I'm done with tennis. <laughs> and uh, then back in 2019, I had the opportunity to, to stay down in Naples for a little while and so I started playing it a lot uh, over to East Naples and, you know, got hooked right away, obviously, and haven't even really touched a tennis racket since. <laughs> All right. Well, tell me a little bit about your tennis background, because I, I think you are a pretty accomplished player. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's various levels. I'd say I played on like the, the lowest level pro qualifiers where, you know, I played juniors, USTA and all that. And then I played college at Indiana, Purdue and Fort Wayne, which was division two. And then I, in my late twenties, I played like the futures qualifiers circuits. I played about 30 of those. I won some rounds, but the ultimate goal of that a lot of times is to get that ATP point and that world ranking. So you can play in, you know, more consistently in bigger tournaments, which I wasn't really able to pull off that and kind of the years got away from me. So and this is kind of almost a second chance at that kind of stuff with pickleball, which is exciting. Yeah, that is great. And it, it looks like too, you did some coaching for tennis also at the college level. I did. I coached uh, women's. I was the assistant coach at Furman and then for a few years. And then I was the assistant men's coach at Elon University. Now, you said you were going to start playing pickleball, I think, when you were done with tennis. I mean, uh, what happened there? Meaning, I mean, part of it is, is it, for the same reason that a lot of people say, I mean, pickleball, it, it doesn't look as as complicated and as hard as it is. And when you're playing tennis at a high level, you know, and, and you're covering all that court and everything, it doesn't look like it's going to be that what it is, you know, where to me, even I mean, singles pickleball, the physical aspects of it, because you can't just end points like you can in tennis are, are brutal. <laughs> it's really physical, you know, which a lot of people don't see that until you start playing it. And so then you think that singles pickleball is actually more taxing than singles in tennis? Well, I don't know if it's more taxing. I mean, like if somebody wears one of the, the watches that shows the kind of physicality of it, but if you get into those long points, the biggest thing is you, you just can't end the point. Like in tennis, you can kind of hit a big serve and go for a big forehand or something or bring someone in and end the point. But in pickleball, I mean, you can end some points with those passes, but if somebody snags that first pass, you're going to end up in long running down, you know, cat and mouse points a lot. And so it just ends up being, you know, very physical, even though 
it doesn't seem like you're covering much court. <laughs> it's just different kind. And then I do believe that you had success at the 2021 U.S. Open, didn't you? I did. Yeah. And and part of that was, you know, it was one of those things when I first started playing, you know, over at East Naples, I couldn't really tell, you know, what level I was. And probably within a few weeks of playing at all, I went to the U.S. Open and I, I thought it was an amazing, like, vibe. You know, like, I was just like, this is fun. Like, it reminded me of growing up, we had something in my hometown called the Blueberry Festival where, there was a tennis tournament during it and it was all these towns from all over and there were all these tents and all this where there was music playing. It was just a big festival thing. And that's what it seemed like. And I was like, this is great, you know, as a sport. And so I, you know, wanted to, as I started playing it, I signed up for the U S open. I was moving down to Fort Myers in January of 2020 and I was getting an apartment and I had to decide real quick about a couple of tournaments, which was a local one that Simone had and then the U S open. And since I didn't know whether, whether I was pro or not, I signed up for pro in the other tournament and I signed up for 5-0 in the U.S. Open. And I was like, well, at least worst case scenario, I win it, you know, and then that means I'm probably a pro, you know, or whatever, at least in between. And then COVID happened, so they didn't have it. And so this was me playing that 5-0 from the year before. And then I felt good to know, like, that's kind of what I thought was I was somewhere in between pro, you know, I'm one of the rank and file pros, you know what I mean? Kind of thing is what it told me. Yeah. So talk a little bit about, you know, where you are now. Are you mostly playing singles, doubles and, uh, you know, how, how's it going competing at the pro level since it certainly looks like you are one? Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah. I mean, I'm winning a few rounds here and there in the singles. Uh, the the doubles is still kind of difficult with finding partners because a lot of times people plan out way ahead of time. I was training a lot with someone that's probably going to be a pro later. His name's Ronan Cameron in Fort Myers, where we trained a lot and we're going to play some doubles pro tournaments here and there, but I don't really have somebody consistent where in order to play in the pro tournaments, you know how it is even different situations. If you're not close to the same level, then it, it gets isolated, which I'd rather it be me, but you got to be pros to play pro doubles or you won't win, you know. Very true. Very true. And so you're working on, I think, an idea for, for next year in terms of being able to go to as many tournaments probably as possible. Yeah. One of the toughest things, I mean, even back when I did like the futures tennis stuff, you know, I could cut corners and, you know, try to make things work, even sleeping in my car a lot of times where with pickleball, you know, the the entry fees are expensive and they're kind of spread out real far. There there aren't a lot of like pro tours in a row where you can drive to a bunch of them. That's kind of why I'm doing the Chicago, Orlando, Atlanta one here, where I've been looking at different ways to you know, make money while being on the road. And what one of the things that I'm working on right now is with actually a good friend of mine from even all the way back to my hometown playing tennis and college and business partners where we're going to try to build functional, functional health teams in local areas. And we're going to kind of do like marketing and, and hopefully promotion through pickleball in the areas where tournaments are. And we're going to pick a handful of them next year and kind of do events and maybe a clinics for pickleball, maybe some live music. Cause he's also in bands. Like I play music as well. And so we're kind of looking at trying to do that to, to justify being able to go out and play pro pickleball tournaments around the country and, and making it worthwhile money. And so is your thought that it would be kind of maybe a little bit of a festival type atmosphere, like we were talking about before, because you're talking about live music events and clinics. Yeah, well, some of those things are probably going to be separate events from each other, but they'll have tie-ins. Like, uh, you know, we would we were talking about possibly, you know, having a booth or doing sponsorships at the tournament, but then also setting up local just health-based events 
or pickleball clinics that also, you know, talk about the other things. I mean, that's where we're kind of hashing it out, but it's just going to be kind of a combination of all those things to try to build a kind of almost like a pickleball community with using these functional medicine strategies, which really revolve around the idea of kind of doing like DNA tests and doing like uh, stool samples where you can figure out exactly what a particular person needs to help them, you know, with whatever health problems they might be having, but the gut and the bacteria in the gut and trying to get that balanced out is something that is the focus of what we're trying to do, which we think is something that a lot of people are interested in right now. And and it might be a good tie in to do it through athletes and people that are playing pickleball. So. Right. And, and that makes sense. I mean, because even though there's a lot more young people coming into Mm. pickleball, you know, there's still a lot of people over 50 who are playing. For sure. And even young people, I mean, there's, there's ways to be healthier, you know, and that's kind of what we're just going to kind of create a situation where people can receive coaching on that and learn more about it, you know, through the pickleball but, and other things. Well, cool. Yeah. That's, that's definitely a, a unique idea. I, ha- I haven't heard from anybody else in the pickleball community. Well, thanks. Yeah. Hopefully it works out. We're trying, <laughs> trying to figure out how to do it. So. All right, then, you know, one of the things that, like I said, at the beginning of the podcast was I, really found you through kind of a music blog. Tell me a little bit about that background. Okay. Yeah. So when I, I mean, I, I guess as far as music goes as long-term when I was growing up, my dad used to play a lot of the like old classic singer songwriters like Bob Dylan and Simon Garfunkel and Johnny Cash and stuff like that. And I heard it all listening when I was younger, but then I didn't, I tried to, I played piano, but I didn't really pick up the guitar. And then in my twenties, I started playing at home and I just played at home for like 10 years. And and at some point during that, and I will say right now, just for anybody, you know, that, that doesn't think that their voice is very good or whatever. It's a muscle like anything else that can be trained. And at first it was really bad and just playing at home for fun over the years, it got better and better. And then back in 2011, I played my first open mic and it was just like addicting, you know, it was one of those things like I knew why rock stars stayed up all night because of the adrenaline, you know, that you get. And I stayed up all night staring at the ceiling. And then I started playing open mics all the time, just cover songs locally. And I traveled around and played a bunch of them over that summer. And then that fall, I decided to write some songs because I was like, if I'm going to do this seriously, I need to have some of my own. And then things just kind of rolled from there where it seemed like I was decent at writing acoustic folk songs. And so since then, the last 10 years, I've kind of written and recorded and traveled and played a lot of shows, mostly open mics. I've done a couple of festivals and stuff, but I just released an album again of new songs and old songs, but something that I recorded over, over the lockdowns while I was in Florida that I was just able to get released. And so this time when I promoted it, I decided to kind of add a little more about me as Jason, not just as what I release music as, which is Chords of Truth. And so that's how you kind of found me with the pickleball, because I was adding that a little bit to the story when I was promoting it. Yeah, that's really cool. And I could definitely see you being a a singer and musician. You actually have kind of, you know, through this podcast, just kind of a great gravelly voice. So I can Ah, kind of imagine what it's like when you sing. Now, I guess, you know, the obvious question here would be how, how are you planning to kind of balance, you know, both your music career, you know, with a professional pickleball career? Yeah. I mean, the main thing with it, I guess, is the music is a little more of a hobby has been, even though I treat it as a business and a lot of it's the recording. One of the things that even I think that will might even go hand in hand where if anybody's listening, they can contact me through, you know, courts of truth.com or whatever, where 
you know, one of the things I'm trying to do more of is house concerts or more like small venue stuff. So I feel like if I go out and I'm doing the pickleball uh, tournaments and I'm in town different places for a week or so that I might do a couple of those while I'm out on the road where people can see me live that wouldn't normally be able to because I'm already out on the road. (laughs) So that's something I'm looking to try to do, you know, as part of this. Yeah, that that makes sense. And so is is I almost think I hear you sounding more like you're probably going to be taking, you know, the pickleball portion of what's going on in your life, you know, the, the most serious thing, you know. Yes, that's correct. All right. Well, good. You all are also I think you do some teaching. Tell me a little bit about, you know, who you typically instruct and where you're actually teaching out of. Right. Well, with pickleball, I've really only done a few, a handful of people like here in St. Louis and maybe a couple in Fort Myers. But that's one of the things that I'm planning on doing kind of on the day to day where I'm, I'm sort of in the process of figuring out where I might where I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to be like a director or anything like that. I just want to be able to teach somewhere, you know, part time so that I can be able to work on many different projects. But I'm looking, you know, probably more down in, you know, the Florida area where it's warm to kind of settle, you know, a little bit where I've kind of been on the road for a long time. The When I was in Fort Myers, that was my first lease since 2009, where I'd been just kind of bounced around Airbnbs and hotels and short term housing, um, doing music and, and tennis and, and working on different projects. So as far as teaching, uh, you know, the, the main stuff that I've done, like even here uh, in St. Louis a little bit is more of like higher level people that are trying to go pro where I'm, I'm a tennis person that's gone pro sort of, you know, where I know now because I've been doing it two years, the differences between it, which when I started, I definitely did not understand, you know I mean? And that was even part of when I watched the U.S. Open that first which I'm being honest about it, but it was like, wow, I mean, this is, they're the best in the world, you know, that I think I can hang a little bit, which I found out very quickly that that wasn't the case, (laughs) especially my first practice match with Kyle Yates when he pickled me, you know, that was something that was a big eye over where a lot of it was these certain kinds of shots that they have, you don't even know are possible until they're done to you, you know, like if somebody drops it cross court into the kitchen, he was the first person I'd ever played they could take it out of the air and snap it up the line and hit that corner just as easily as go cross court short, you know, for the winner. So those are the kind of things that, that I've been doing as teaching so far, you know, it's helping people transition from tennis to pickleball. Yeah. And that's, that actually brings up a good point. And I think, it, you know, there's a lot of people who are thinking about potentially playing professional pickleball, especially, you know, if they've been a high level tennis player, what are some of the other things that, you know, you help people and, and give tips on in order to make that transition? Uh, a few of them, you know, like even at first there was, I mean, at, one of the hardest things for me to get a hold of was not closing in on the net because I mean, as a coach and stuff, that's, you're just like close, close, you know, and you've got to like stand flat footed and hit volleys from the kitchen line which when I first started, and I still think this was a good move is I gave myself a few inches at least on that kitchen line so that I didn't have to worry so much about stepping on it. So I could still move my feet around like I did with tennis where eventually, you know, I've kind of gone away from that a little bit, but one of the bigger ones was even just like a conceptual thing about the kitchen line being out. And it was like, how is that? (laughs) Is the line out? And the way that I finally grasped that was that like the kitchen was the zone and the line was part of the kitchen. And then however you look at that, you know what I mean? Like, so the, when it hits the line, it's part of the kitchen, which is considered out, you know what I mean? Which that was just kind of a mental 
adjustment that had to be made, you know, for it to make sense where I'm sure tennis people will have that <laughs> same thing. But one of the things that I know for sure that happened, which this would be somebody who, who played, you know, high level tennis or whatever, their kind of strengths or weaknesses where one of the reasons I know I'm probably going to be better at pickleball than ever was at tennis because of a few of my strengths in tennis that translated, you know, really well to pickleball, like passing shots was a lot of my game where in singles, especially that's, that's that first shot. But probably the biggest one was I did a lot of drop shots to either corner that kind of would drop and skid off. And then after I hit those drop shots in tennis, I would follow them in, take it out of the air, wherever they went, you know? And so I got used to anticipating where people would go and how to set them up to do that. And in pickleball singles, that's one of the bigger moves, you know, is to hit that drop and then follow it in and try to snag it off. So like a tennis player would think about what they do best and whether or not, you know, it would work (laughs) in the sport. Right. Like you said, I could definitely see how it would translate so well for you for, you know, given what you mentioned with those shots. So certain plays. Yeah. 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 So in, in terms of, you know, what else do you feel like you really need to work on in your, in your game, you know, mm. to kind of move you up the ladder? Yeah. Well, one thing that I know that I've, I mean, I, I think that I've figured out a little bit where I was just for a while. Cause I trained, I mean, one of the persons people that helped me the most was uh, Ryan Sherry in Fort Myers where he kind of came up recently. And I, before, right as he was getting going, you know, I contacted him, we've been training where he was training with Kyle Yates for a while. And then he, you know, launched into it where I got to train with him a bit and we were working on various different things. You know, as he learned how to do stuff, I got to learn from him, which was great, but I kept getting passed. Like as I would play the higher level players where when I, at first, one of the things that I felt like was I couldn't figure out how people would beat me because nobody could pass me that I was playing and I could pass most of them. And what ended up happening was it was very similar to tennis when I went from like, division two uh, qualifier level tennis player to trying to go pro is they're a little bit faster. And so, and they hit the ball a little bit harder. So I couldn't pass them anymore and they could pass me. And so I was having a big problem trying to solve that problem. Like even against Zane, you know, where I'd be hitting, I felt like pretty good approach shots uh, coming in or returns. And he would pass me with just amazing stuff, you know, like two handed backhands around the post, you know, down the line or something. And I like, what else can I do? And what I found is I have to go more down the middle, which Tyson does that a lot. They go down the middle most of the time. And then every once in a while they go out to one of the corners, you know, to change it up. But if you go down the middle, it's a lot harder to create the angle to pass. So you can a lot of times get at least the paddle on that first one and then turn it into a cat and mouse rather than just getting past. So I don't know if I'm going to pull that off all the time, but that's definitely something I'm working on is figuring out, you know, ways when I'm playing a pro to not get passed as much by how I position my return. Well, interesting. That's, I think that's some great singles advice because so many people who I interview on the podcast actually are really talking about tips for, for doubles. So yeah, I definitely appreciate that high level singles tips. Now, one thing I forgot to ask you when we were talking about your music and, you know, being a singer songwriter is, okay, I need to search the charts. Where is your pickleball? Right. I have not written a pickleball song yet. And I've heard a couple of good ones out there too. And I've thought about it. Part of it is with the, with the music that I do is pretty uh, serious. Most of it, it's more like introspective and, and like almost like uh, Wayne Dyer and inspirational type mantras and stuff like that. So I haven't really broke into to comedy ones yet, but I'm pretty sure it's going to happen at some point, uh, especially if I, get to collaborate with someone else who also is like a pickleballer and songwriter, you know? So I've seen some creative stuff done. I just haven't jumped into the mix yet. 
Now you mentioned that your music is introspective. How does that, yeah. you know, is that kind of your persona and you know, how, how does that work on the pickleball court? Do you use that in some way? Well, I mean, the, the, the stuff that, uh, I mean, as far as the concepts of the, the lyrics of my music, it, it's, it's a lot of these, I don't know, it's about freedom and perspective and how you look at things. So it's more of like the way that you look at life would help you on the pickleball court because the way that the songs are, are constructed are ways to almost kind of like give you reminders of how you should think and look at things. So I, I do think that like, even that was something as I started to write the songs when I'd be singing them, you know, different times and it would just kind of occur to me, like, I get to just say this stuff all the time, you know, like out loud as positive affirmations, you know, and stuff like that in, in the form of a song. So that's kind of, you know, what the, the, whatever the deal is with my music. That's actually really cool. And my background is as a sports psychologist. So I'm familiar uh -huh. with those positive, positive affirmations. Can you just, you know, say one or two, just to give people kind of a concrete example of what that is. Yeah. Means. And that's where I was even in my mind, I was trying to pull a lyric out, not in the context of a song, you know, to throw out that wouldn't just be like leading. And so I'm probably going to have to, let's see, I'm going to have to think about it for a second. Like, for example, one of the songs, our brains are trained to avoid pain and seek pleasure as we progress, we devise a standard adapting it to our pattern. Like that one's way complicated. I probably shouldn't have picked that one, <laughs> but it has to do with just kind of acknowledging the idea that, that, that we're all living a certain way and we all have a way that we, we see the world around us. And then as people say things to us or as we experience different things, then our worldview is adapted to that new information. And so we change the way we look at everything. So, I mean, that's kind of like what I just feel like we're all walking around with this worldview, being exposed to experiences and information and all those different kinds of things. And then we just kind of adapt to that all the time. All right. Well, that's actually great because, you know, typically I go deep in, in pickleball on the podcast, but right? uh, we went deep kind of in a different <laughs> yeah. direction, a little unusual. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. I didn't know what to do there, but yeah, I, that, that was just the one that popped up as I ran through a few lyrics to... Saying, no, no worries. No worries. All right. Just a couple questions. And to finish up, I always like to ask the pros, which pickleball paddle do you use and why? Okay. Right now I'm using the Ben Johns Franklin one. And mostly because Ryan Cherry was using it. And I started with a paddle tech. And for me, the paddle techs were a little, the best I could describe them, they felt just a little like short and stubby. And they didn't really feel like tennis, but I played with that for like the first year. And then when I switched to the Franklin one, I think my level jumped, jumped like a half level right then just because of the way that it then felt like tennis for me. Like, and I was choking up originally. So that's the paddle I use and it's got really good grit on it. I mean, it wears away real quick, but it at least gives you something, you know, to grab the ball with. All right. And then it sounds like you don't necessarily have a home yet for teaching pickleball but if anybody wants to reach out to you where is the best place um you can go to jasongarriott.com and i know that's difficult to spell you can go to courtsoftruth.com or you can actually just probably because i wear a, a tuxedo shirt when i play pickleball and so you can look up pickleball tuxedo i think and my site will come up first oh cool and and just so <laughs> the audience knows 
It's uh, Jason, and the last name is G-A-R-R-I-O-T-T-E. That's correct. All right. Well, great to have you on the podcast, Jason. I really enjoyed the interview, and thanks again. It's nice meeting you, Lynn. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes. 